0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a good Tuesday so far. This is going to be a relatively quick episode um for a couple of reasons. One, they are cutting down trees in my backyard, so that's going to be really loud. I think they're about to do that. I just I just noticed the uh construction guys pop up here, so I mean, I don't know when they're going to start, but you know, we'll we'll see. Um so first off, This episode—I just started that with a British episode. It's early in the morning, all right. I haven't even had my coffee yet. I'm looking at my coffee in front of me. I just woke up. I'm about to go for my walk. Um, I decided to engage in the 24-hour fast today, so I'm a little out of it. However, I'm going to be on it for this episode. But this episode is sponsored by Cartridge Cuff um if you guys don't know who he is on instagram it's cartridge underscore cuff underscore guy he makes all things leather for your leather action weapons i think he's even getting into ars and shotguns and all that cool stuff he's pretty uh flexible when it comes to leather working but um if you don't know what it is check out his instagram he also has a website which is www i don't know why people say why do i say www like you all know that it's on the world wide web uh, masonleather.com. Masonleather.com. Use my discount code backbuilders or backbuilder, whichever one works. But check out his work, guys. He's uh, remember that episode, Mastery? He was one of my inspirations for that episode. Um, but he makes genuine uh, work like it's all handcrafted. He doesn't use like any factory machinery or anything like that. I you literally watch this, he sits there and he stitches and he presses and he sculpts his leather. But, anyways, check him out. Really good guy. Uh, The heroic ideal is something that I've been thinking about a lot recently, and I can't really put my finger on it why this bothered me so freaking much. But I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Aldi, but I went to all. It's just it's just a grocery store, a really cheap grocery store. I went to Aldi and in front of Aldi, I saw a sign that said heroes work here. And that got me thinking probably for this is this is the curse that I have is that it got me thinking for the rest of the time that I was grocery shopping about heroes and what heroes actually are. What do they look like? And what is the heroic ideal? Now, I tried researching the heroic ideal, and I know that it's I know that there's a book on it literally called the heroic ideal, but it's like 30 bucks and it's not on audible and it's like 40 bucks or it's like 300 pages 40 bucks. my I'm, not, I'm not, I'll, I'll get to that later. Um but I I had to ask myself do heroes really work there? Do, do like what what about working at Aldi implies that heroes work there. And I know what they're saying. They're saying that um that they're essential workers and that you know because they're working during this pandemic that they're heroes. Okay, good for them. But heroes Heroes? Have we really diluted the word heroes down so much that now heroes, uh, everybody who works at a grocery store is a hero? What? And then this is another thing that I was thinking about too. I have this uh, page that we have. your, Your town might even have it too, but we have this local page where it's everybody from the town talks to each other, right? And then all the people started calling all the people who work at the bakeries and stuff like that and at Jensen's uh, like the local grocery stores and the gas station heroes because they were working during the pandemic. Like they were saying, go help the heroes at Jensen's by, you know, providing them with, I don't remember what it was, but they're just calling everybody who worked at, uh, at Jensen's and uh, the grocery stores heroes. And I feel like if I was working at that grocery store in the pandemic, I'm like, please don't call me a hero. Like <laughs> this is not heroic work, right? I'm not putting life limb and eyesight in in danger like i i'd have to describe what a hero actually is which is another what which is another thing that i want to discuss but first and foremost can we just admit that the word hero has been so weakened over the last century or so like so diluted that now pretty much anybody can be a hero honestly you are a hero if you do if oh uh, let's see they they call bruce jenner a hero now because he turned into a girl. That's heroic, apparently. Um, you're a hero if you work at a grocery store, hero. You're a hero if you use your pronouns, um, they and them, instead of he and she, hero. You're a hero if you... like. You, what aren't you a hero for now these days? The idea of heroes that I have the traditional sense of heroes is somebody who goes above and beyond um, either the limitations of their tribe or their society to protect their tribe or society and risks their life limb or eyesight for the good of those around him or her. That is my, that's just off the top of my head, the definition of a hero that I think of. are you really a hero, Bruce? Are you a really hero? Like, it just doesn't really make sense to me anymore. And it pisses me off because for a couple of reasons, one, um, they're not heroes. I think they know that they're not heroes and, and no offense to them. But secondly, true heroes, they you're kind of taking away their deeds. You're kind of taking away their actions at the point of you're just going around calling everyone heroes. So that's what's been that's what's I don't know why, but that just really irked me going into Aldi and seeing heroes work here. And then I couldn't help but, and then the cynical side of me looked at, I mean, they could very well be heroes. I don't know, they could all be medal of honor recipients. I'm not gonna know. There could be some Aldi you know, heroic employment program where they take all the uh, you know, bronze star, silver star recipients and they employ them at the cast return, I, I don't know. But I looked at them and I uh, was like, no, no. You're like 16 years old. Um, you're angry that you're working at a grocery store and you would rather be at home playing Call of Duty, which pff, do not blame you. So that's no, Mm-mm. let's stop pretending like everyone is a hero because if everybody's a hero, then nobody's a hero, right? It, I mean, that just makes total sense. So there's two types of heroes in my, in my eyes. And oh, I, I forgot to tell you guys, another reason why I'm going to make this episode so short is because I'm going to link or uh, put in a really good speech from Jordan Peterson about the heroic ideal striving For something better, um, you know, reaching for the light in the world of chaos. A really good, it's a really good lecture. I highly suggest that you stay and listen to it after this. But in my mind, there's two types of heroes there's the hero on the individual level, the self actualizing hero. So, what does that actually mean? That means that that is the person who practices self-development. This is a person that wants to make themselves better. He understands that only through physical training, uh, let's say jiu-jitsu, let's say the gym or maybe some agility training or something like that, Um, weapons training, you know, all the stuff that I normally talk about. It's the the self-actualizing hero is the guy who knows that he can make himself better. Remember how I always give you guys the example of the marble slab and you guys have the chisel? That is my idea of the self-actualizing hero. He knows that he is Made for more. He may not be there yet. However, he will get there eventually. But it all starts on a very, very low individual level. Jordan Peterson always says it starts with making your bed. Now, also the heroic ideal for the individual, right? Because because there's two sides of it. There's the individual hero, the guy who's kind of in it for himself. He's it's self development. He's really it's it's kind of like the selfish hero in a way, but. Then it expands into the tribal hero, the societal hero, the platoon hero, you know, whatever. it's He's outside of himself at a certain point, but it all starts with that training. It all starts with that development, that mental fitness, that physical fitness, that spiritual readiness. It, it, it all starts with that. Now, that process of self-actualizing your inner hero, it doesn't just happen overnight, guys. It just does not happen overnight. It is a long painful, drawn out process. It's a very confusing process. Um, you, you, half the time you won't even know if you're doing the right thing or not. The other day I made a post about going into the gym. And I said that if you're listening to this and you have never been into the gym before, I know your fears. I know your hesitations. I know that you're going to go into the gym and you're going to be very, very, um, shy about picking up that 15 pound weight because you can't lift anything else up. You're too weak. Um you're gonna be very shy about doing the movement. Like it's irrelevant. The the self-actualizing hero understands that though he will face that embarrassment, though he will face that shame, he has to do that because that's the only way he's gonna get better. That's the only way. That is the self-actualizing hero. It starts at the lowest level. It doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how how young you are. I know some guys on my Instagram who are very, very young Um, and I see them coming out with their inner hero. They're exploding with this heroic potential. One of them, his name is Alex. And I think he's like 16, 17 years old. Dude's really young. I know he's going to listen to this episode, but he's leaving for the military academy. And I'm like, that is, that is a hero in the making. That is a hero in the making because I see what he's saying. I see what he's talking about. He understands certain things. He's, he's training physically. And that's what all of you young people, if you're listening, they should be striving for is that heroic ideal. Very, very important. I, I I, don't know. There's something about looking at the people. That's another thing. I'm going to go on a little tangent here, but that's a, another thing that I realized from a very young age that I did something right or my parents did something right was by allowing me to watch movies. I don't know if I, I know some parents don't allow them to watch violent movies, but my dad and I, we always watched uh, Gladiator and Braveheart and as a young man, and I'm sure like my dad had movies where he watched you know, his, his heroes, and I'm sure my kids are going to have here uh, movies where they watch their heroes. But I was watching Braveheart and Gladiator. Those are the first movies that were really popping in my head. Even Lord of the Rings, where I look at these heroes in cinema, and I'm like, I want to be like that. That's what I want to be. Because they're symbols. They're symbols for the hero- heroic ideal. And I feel like that really helped me in my development, was looking at, even if it was cinema, even if it was fake, I don't care. It didn't matter. It still helped me the they still helped me in my my progression. So all right, that is the self-actualizing hero. So let me just summarize that by saying is that the self-actualizing hero is still for the most part within his comfort zone. He's still on that selfish that that inner development part of his hero where he hasn't left into the world of the unknown yet. He hasn't crossed that threshold fully yet. Now, he may be in the process of doing that. And what do I mean by going to the realm of the unknown? I mean that he is leaving his mother, father's house. He's leaving that place that he's been really comfortable, that job that he's been comfortable with for a long time. He hasn't fully left the castle yet and faced his enemies he hasn't really faced the ogres he hasn't really faced the dragons now obviously this is a mythological term you know facing your dragons going into the realm of the unknown the abyss he's not quite there yet not quite there yet but he will be in the future he's getting ready for it because he's not just going to toss himself into the abyss without armor without a sword without a shield or anything like that without muscle without strength without training because that would be unwise that would be martyrdom but he's getting there he's getting there um, And then you go into the idea of the hero, which seems to be more of an external heroic ideal. Now, this is conscious or subconscious. I, I don't really know yet. I haven't really thought about it too hard. But the true hero is the hero who puts himself over others. And what do I mean by that? I mean that think of the Medal of Honor recipients that you've read so many books about. I just recently read a book called Red Platoon by Crint. Kr- Uh, Clint Romashaw. And that dude is an actual hero. Now, why is he a hero? Because when his platoon was being attacked by the Taliban uh, on his cop, he essentially, there's two things he could have done. He could have cowered. He could have hid. He could have cried. But no, he gathered up his platoon and he retook the fob. You know what I mean? So it's like he understood the risks and he did it anyways. You got to think of the myths that are often like let me let me give you the example of Beowulf. Beowulf is a mortal man. However, he goes through life as if he is a mortal, which means that he takes risks knowing that he could die by fighting these horrible beasts, but he lives and then he gets the glory of it, you know, he gets the honor of it. Um, he protects his family, he protects his land, he protects his, his blood. Now, am I saying that if you're physically weak if you are um, you know, unable to train or you have some mental uh, disorders or you're physically handicapped, if you can't be a hero, absolutely not. That is not what I'm saying. Um, what I'm talking about in this instance is the more mythological hero. Now, preceding the threshold The hero that I'm talking about in the external realm, the more mature hero, the more developed hero, he is well into the realm of chaos. He is familiar with it and you know, he's had maybe years within it. He's fought tons of beasts, he's slayed his inner weakness for the most part and now he's at the part where he's able to help others and like I said, put put others above himself. I feel like the best way that you can actually think of the the hero in this sense is um, obviously cinema, but then reading stories of like uh, you know Clint Ramosha's Red Platoon, Gates of Fire, Thermopylae, The Three Hundred, The Romans. I'm looking at my bookshelf here. You got David Goggins. You know, in Can't Her you got Empire of the Summer Moon and you read about people's stories and about their uh, trials. And then that's when you get a really good idea of the heroic ideal, because you have to remember is that humans have been around for a really, really long time and we've been recording our experiences for a really long time. So I feel like the best way. You can get a really good idea, a really good grasp of the heroic ideal, is by reading about other people's stories. Remember, remember how I told you guys that I was once really, really into self-help books, but then at a certain point, you just realize that they're all the same and they're just regurgitating the same Stoic philosophy over and over again. And then eventually, you start out. You have to start reading biographies and stories and and even science fiction and stuff like that, and get a good idea of the heroic ideal. And that's I feel like that's another reason why. Sorry to get into this again, guys, but that's another reason why Warhammer 40k appeals to so many people is because they really, really drive home the heroic ideal. You have these Astartes who I talked about last time, who are these eight foot warriors. They're like a ton. And, uh, They always strive for the heroic ideal. They always want to be the one to they call it going down the center. They always want to be the first one into battle. They always want to be the one to save their brothers. They always want to be the one you know, in battle. They hate being left behind. They hate being denied their their, uh, inner heroic potential because they know that they have the potential for it. And men really like reading about that. They really like reading about that. They really like hearing about that. But I feel like we should all strive for the heroic ideal. I feel like being a hero in today's time isn't about martyrdom. It's not about, you know, going out and doing crazy shit and, you know, wishing to die in battle and stuff like that, which is something that I've talked about in that previous episode that is a Patreon exclusive about why men want to die in battle. But it's about making the absolute best with what you have right now. It's about physical training. It's about reading. It's and then uh, it's about ultimate self-development. And then it expands into helping your brothers and your sisters around you, helping them develop, helping them get to that next level, helping them when they're in need. Um, and then eventually you can get into the points of where in trials and conflict and chaos, you help them even more and you guide them. You kind of become a mentor in a sense. Um, there's a lot of different ways to dissect the hero, but but it's something that we should all strive for. I, I really do believe that. And it it really bothers the shit out of me how modern society just calls everyone a hero just to make everyone feel better. You know what I mean? You, you call everyone a hero. It's just another trophy. It's just an everyone gets a trophy these days. Everyone's a hero. Everybody's honorable, blah, blah, blah. When in actuality, very few people have heroic potential. Actually, I feel, I, be, I believe everybody has heroic potential, but not everybody acts upon that potential. Not everybody realizes that potential. Not everybody actualizes it. Last thing I'm going to leave you guys with before I go on my walk is I just want to thank my most Patreon supporters. Don't leave yet. Don't leave yet because I'm about to put you guys into that Jordan Peterson lecture. But most recent Patreon supporters are 31 new Patreon supporters. We smashed the goal of 100. I never thought we would get this far. But the most recent ones, and sorry guys, I got a lot, but it's Cole, Benjamin, Samantha, Sammy, Michael, Derek, Noah, Edward, Joe, Alex, Joseph, Scott, Zach, Adrian, Ron, Lionel, Edward, Michael, Joshua, Dalton, Tanner, David, and then we can go back into July, which I think I did in an episode before. But those were all the August Patreon subscriptions. Guys, I've released three episodes exclusively on Patreon. Three. That's a lot. They're full episodes. The most recent one I did was yesterday about why men want to die in battle. Um, it's a really interesting episode, uh, but I feel like it was better on Patreon. So other than that, remember to check out the sponsor, which is uh, which is Mason and check out the Patreon. Just Google search Forrest Munden Patreon. Um, you guys can subscribe for as little as dollar a month. I'm going to be grinding out content on there for the next uh, couple weeks because now we have such a large audience on Patreon. So make sure you subscribe to that. Uh, Instagram for all of you Spotify listeners is Munden, M-U-N-D-E-N underscore Forest, And check it out. All right. Enjoy this lecture. Have a glorious Tuesday.
1: I had an interesting experience the other day. I went to the keg. I go there because I have food allergies and they're very careful with people who have food allergies. And the waiter took me to the table and he said that he had been watching my lectures and that's a very common experience. And he was happy about that. And he said that he'd had two promotions at the keg in the last four months because he'd been watching my lectures. And I really found that an affecting experience because you know, you might say, well, He's working as a waiter at the keg, and there's nothing particularly heroic about that. And I disagree with that, actually, because I don't care where you're located. You can do a hell of a job, and I mean that literally. You can take whatever job you have, and you can make it a real nice little piece of absolute misery. Or you can act like a civilized human being and notice that no matter where you are, there's a richness and a complexity that's completely inexhaustible right at hand. And then you can take that seriously and you can say, well, I happen to be a waiter at the keg and, and he's a young guy. And perhaps that isn't where I want to end up, but it's not nothing. It's a rich environment and I can make it a lot better if I want to. I can get along properly with my coworkers and not gossip behind their back. And I can treat my customers properly. And if an opportunity comes my way, I can take it and I can see what happens. And so he said, that's what he'd started doing and that things were working out much better for him. He was in a much better job than he was three months ago, and three months, that's nothing, right? I mean, that's a nice trajectory. It's an uphill trajectory, and that's what you want, really. An uphill trajectory is actually even better than being somewhere good, as far as I'm concerned, because one of the things that really makes your life meaningful is the clear realization that you're headed somewhere better than you are now. And then it's even better if you also understand that there's a direct causal relationship between the things that you're doing and the steepness of that incline. And so I get a lot of letters from people like that and they say, well, you know, I've been listening to these lectures and I decided that I'm going to try to take responsibility for my life. And so I've started to stop doing all the stupid things that I know that are stupid that I know I shouldn't be doing. And I've started doing some of the things that aren't stupid that I know I should be doing, which seems pretty obvious, really, if you think about it. But obvious though it may be, that isn't necessarily what people do. And then they write and say, you can't believe what difference that makes. And they're thrilled about it. And so I'm thrilled about it when I get letters like that, because I I really don't experience anything as better than a letter like that or a message like that, because it's so good to see things that aren't so good, replaced by something better. And I really do think it's an open question. I truly believe it's an open question. To what degree we could make things better if that's what we actually aimed at doing. Well, there's two modes of being in the world, right? There's one where you adopt the responsibility for living properly, for being properly, and you make the sacrifices necessary for doing that, and then everything will flourish properly. And the other one is a pathway of resentment and bitterness and rejection and murder and genocide. And that just seems exactly right to me. And so if the positive path beckons, if you can actually see what it is, if you, can, if you can lower yourself enough to see what it is, Jung Carl Jung said once that modern people didn't see God because they didn't look low enough. It's a phrase I really, really like because people denigrate the opportunities that are right in front of them. And there's no reason to do that because what's right in front of you is the majesty of being. That's what's right in front of you. It's inexhaustibly complex and full of potential. And there's no reason to assume that wherever you happen to be isn't as good a starting place as anywhere else. Now, you know, I know some people have terrible, terrible lives. They're in situations that are absolutely unbearable. And, but I also do know that even situations like that can be made a hell of a lot worse by the worst kind of attitude. That's for sure. So anyway, so that's where you are. You're in a damaged structure. You're a damaged structure. You're in a damaged structure. But, you know, at least it's got some walls. You know, you're not being fed to the lions on a regular basis. So that's a good thing. And you can emerge forward heroically to confront the chaos that constantly threatens the structure within which you live. And you can free something as a consequence of that. You can learn something. You can strengthen yourself. That's the other thing, because what you're actually made of In in many ways, what informs you, what you're made of, is what you encounter when you voluntarily encounter the unknown. And so the more you voluntarily encounter the unknown, the more you get made of. And the more you get made of, the more there is to you. And then the more you're good at encountering the unknown and restructuring order and and calling forth proper order out of the potential of being. God, you got to think, why wouldn't you do that since you can do that? And it's an endless mystery. You know, I think part of it is that people don't aspire to the highest good because they're deeply ashamed of of themselves and their weaknesses and their insufficiencies. And that's not the only reason. I mean, there's there's the desire to avoid responsibility and there's all the negative motivations as well, like resentment and, and hatred and the desire to make things worse. I, I don't want to you know, give us too much of a break, but it's something like that. It's okay to to not be in a very good place if what you're trying to do with that not very good place is make it better, and the fact that things aren't exactly the way they should be at least gives you something to do, you know, and maybe something great to do because there's no shortage of suffering and trouble that besets the world that you could conceivably ameliorate in some way, and the utility of that and the intrinsic meaning of that is self-evident. So it also makes me curious about nihilism, for example, and despair, because I mean, I understand those emotions. I understand them deeply, and the intellectual mindset goes along with it. But they just seem beside the point to me in some sense, because there are so many things that need doing that all you really have to do is open your eyes and look at them and then decide that you're actually going to do something about them. And you might think, well, what's within my scope of influence is so trivial that it's not worth doing. It's like. It won't stay trivial for long if you do it. Not at all, and I don't think it's trivial to begin with. I really don't believe that anything done right is trivial. My experience in my life has been that anything I actually did paid off. It didn't pay off necessarily in the way that I expected it to pay off. That's a whole different story. But if it was genuine commitment to do something, even if it went sideways and the outcome was really something other than what I expected, the net consequence over time was nothing but good. So every new frontier that can be conquered is an advance forward. And there's no shortage of frontier because we're surrounded by the unknown. We're surrounded by our our own ignorance. And we can continually move into that domain, into the domain of chaos. Or we can restructure pathological order. And that's, that's the secret to proper being. And so then you encounter chaos that way, you know, and then you can regard yourself as the sort of entity that despite its insufficiency, has the capability to conquer chaos, despite the danger of that. That's the other thing, because the fact that you're fragile is actually a precondition for your heroism, because if you weren't fragile, then there'd be nothing heroic about doing something difficult, right? Because if you couldn't be hurt or damaged or defeated or or end up in failure, then where's the moral courage in the endeavor? It has to be that, the fragility is built into the courage, and so it's not a, it's not a reason not to engage in it at all. It, in in fact, quite the contrary. And so, well, and so then you know what do you do? Well, you you put the city back together, and maybe the way you want it, so that it's functional and efficient and beautiful, and so the people can flourish there, and flourish in a manner that makes them. That makes them that makes them feel that the unbearable catastrophe of being is worth it for the experience. That's what you're aiming at, and it's not an impossibility. It's not an impossibility, and then not only that, not only do you repair the city when you do that, but you make yourself the sort of thing that continually repairs the city, and that's even better. That's the end goal, because it's not the repair of the city that's the goal. It's the transformation of yourself into the thing that continually repairs the city. And so, there's just no reason for that not to happen. And the more it can happen, the better.